Welcome to Between Two Printers, a podcast where we will discuss all things 3D printing and OMP. I'm your host, Jeff, and I've been with Warm for the past 19 years, and recently my role has been increasingly revolving around 3D printing. So we decided to create a podcast to discuss and share some of the learnings we've had along this journey. Uh, welcome everyone to our first podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by my colleague Nam, and we're going to talk a little bit about what does 3D printing mean for ONP. Hey everyone, I'm really excited to be here and thanks Jeff for uh, humoring me with some of my questions. So being a hobbyist 3D printing enthusiast myself, I know that 3D printing is a very hot topic these days in ONP. So why don't we start off very broad scale and ask the question, you know, what does 3D printing mean for ONP? Really what it does is it allows clinicians to be much more deliberate about everything that they do. Instead of choosing a thickness of sheet material to manufacture a device, they can specify different thicknesses throughout the device, they can specify trim lines, and ultimately it allows it to be a much more um, sort of by the numbers process. And I don't mean like paint by numbers. I mean, instead of it all being look and feel, it takes it out of the artisan artisanal world and into the engineering world where we can really design something thinking about all of the different ways that it needs to perform. So we've got a lot of clinicians that are still working, taking plaster casts and making plaster impressions of uh, patients. And we've got other clinicians who are using scanners and measurement systems. And so for the clinicians who are already embracing CAD CAM, uh, this just changes the last step in their whole process. So all of their scanning and design work is gonna be the same as it is today, uh, but it's gonna give them the ability to increase the repeatability of the, of the work that they do. As to the clinicians who've not yet embraced CAD CAM, well, it's going to be it's going to be a bit bit more of a journey. They're going to need to look at using scanners. They're going to need to look at doing CAD designs uh, in the computer. Um, so there's going to be a bit more of a learning curve there to get them going. So would you say at this point uh, that it would be too late for traditional clinicians uh, to adopt uh, CAD CAD technology to? Uh, understand 3D printing when it's ready? Or would you say there, there's still time to kind of uh, work on that? It's never too late. I mean, uh, whether we're talking about CAD CAM or introducing computers into a business that's predominantly using uh, paper records, at the end of the day, this is a technology that's, that's looking to improve your efficiency and make you be able to do your job better. Um, so it's never too late to start. I mean, if we go back, 20 years and we, we look at where, where things were when I started at this company, there were people that maybe thought that it was a little bit too late to invest in CAD CAM because it had already been going for at least 10 years before that. Um, but I mean, today still, we've got a significant portion of the ONP community that are working with more traditional means of, um, means of manufacture. So it's never too late. Um, but what you do want to do is consider when's, when's a good time, figure out what makes sense for you and for your business. For sure. And, you know, with something like that, do you see a pretty steep learning curve for these uh, non, I guess, tech savvy individuals? Um, 
it really depends on what exactly you want to achieve with it. I think that starting with CAD CAM with a carving system is a really great way to work your way into it. And the reason that I'd say that is there's a little bit of extra uh, options for you in the, in the whole manufacturing process where some of that still is done fairly traditionally. So it allows you, I think, a little bit of an easier learning curve if you were to go through the transition from traditional manufacturer to a CAD CAM carving manufacturer before embarking upon 3D printing. Uh, it's not to say that you can't do it, but it, it definitely will, uh, it will lower that curve and make it a little bit easier to progress. For sure. It's really good to hear that, you know, and anybody can really get started and that it, I guess it really does depend on yeah, what you're kind of uh, hoping to achieve. So kind of gives people hope these days, right? If, you know, they're, here, they're hearing 3D printing, they, you obviously see these clinicians, they don't want to miss out on that, uh, that opportunity. So yeah, it's really good to hear that they can still explore different options around that. For 3D printing, what are some of the options uh, a business owner or a clinician can sort of consider when it comes to using it for fabricating devices? Certainly one of the first big questions is, is the question that we always have, do I do it myself or do I farm the workout? Um, in terms of 3D printing, what that means is, do I get a 3D printer myself or do I use some sort of 3D print bureau? Um, and each of, these, each of these things has their own advantages, of course. If you get your own printer, then the production schedule is based on what you want. So if you have a patient that you need to make a device for right now, uh, you can set aside the other jobs and you can get that other device done. You can push it next into line and make sure that you're able to service that client as quickly as possible should an emergency arise. Whereas if you were using a 3D print bureau, you're going to send something to them and it will, they'll give you an estimated time and they're just going to fit it into their production schedule. Um, but You've also got to factor in that if you're using a 3D print bureau, depending on the specific expertise that you have available in your company, you don't necessarily have to worry about having people trained on how to use the printer. You don't have to worry about choosing which printer you need. Maybe one device is better suited printed on uh, one printer and another device on another. And if you're trying to use everything on your own printer, Either you need multiple printers or you need to, you know, get the printer that will accommodate, accommodate your biggest job or, you know, there's all kinds of little, little things that you need to decide and think about when you're considering what printer that you might want to buy. Whereas if you're using a 3D print bureau, um, you can easily try different bureaus, you can try different printers. Think about it like renting a car, the amount of decision making that needs to go in for a car that you're going to buy versus a car that you're going to rent for a week when you're on a trip. It's a very different uh, decision-making processes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously you don't expect a clinician to understand the whole concept of uh, 3d printing right away. And that it might even be easier just to consider uh, a third party service bureau to sort of handle all that. So um yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, there, there are those options and, uh, um, you know, even if you are, a, a larger facility, but don't really have the, uh, bandwidth to consider 3d printing right now. Um, I guess they could sort of consider working with the 3d service bureau to at least understand, uh, 
what sort of is involved in the uh, designing and uh, other material processes before they can, uh, you know, consider something in-house. Well, and certainly, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, and certainly it will allow you the, the opportunity to try out different printers. So if you're at a position where you're thinking about getting printer, a printer or printers in your business, um, this gives you the opportunity to use different printers through different print service bureaus and see what uh, produces the devices the best in terms of what you need in both um, turnaround time and material costs. Yeah, for sure. Um, always a always a benefit if the uh, the clinician or business owner can uh, save a little bit of money on that you know larger investment. Um, so that was a little bit on the clinician side, but uh, I'd be curious to see you know how three D printing could affect uh, the patient side of things. Um, can you speak to these really intricate designs that we always see floating around? social media these days and you know the feasibility on those types of devices when it comes to uh, functionality and other aspects sure so i mean we've we've definitely seen lots of really cool stuff out there uh, i think some of the most interesting stuff is in the in the realm of cosmetic covers and in that in that regard i think is a really cool one because we don't really have to worry about the functional part so much uh, for the cosmetic covers, you know, you could Im basically emboss it with the patient's name. You could put like wood grain on it. You can have these really cool lattice work stuff. Uh, and for a cosmetic cover, you know, that's great because A, it is really about the cosmetics of it. And B, it's not a load bearing part. It's just sort of sitting there taking up space. And so those are really neat options. Uh, I think the other part where patients can really benefit is from the consistency that's afforded to us by, uh, by 3D printing. So again, if we look at sort of different manufacturing techniques, if we go and look at sort of three discrete things with plaster, uh, CAD models and foam, and then 3D printing, with plaster, if we've saved the model uh, for the patient and they need a new device, okay, we can pull a new device or do a layup for a new device, and it'll be pretty close to what you had last time. The, how it's trimmed out and how it's finished might be different, but the inside surface is going to be the same. Uh, now that's the best case scenario. The reality is a lot of places just don't have the capacity to save all their molds. If you're seeing you know, hundreds or more of patients per year, it starts to accumulate a lot of molds and that's going to take up a lot of space. So where the advantage is with the CAD system is those molds now exist in virtual on a hard drive. So it's no problem to have 10,000 patients and keep all of those molds on hand to be able to reproduce your device. Where 3D printing gives us a little bit more is we end up designing the inside and the outside of the device including the trim lines. So instead of you having to remember which thickness of material you used and which material you used and try to trim it and cut it out the same way, what you're gonna get off of a 3D printer is going to be very, very, very close to what you delivered last time. So in a scenario where somebody breaks their device or loses their device or has their device stolen or needs a secondary device for uh, maybe with a different end effector, let's say we want a prosthetic socket, one for running and one for skiing, um, it will allow the patient to be able to get 
a near identical device without uh, without much effort. It makes the clinician's life easier, but it gives a certain flexibility to the patient as well. So would you say something like this could really uh, empower a patient to be uh, you know, more active with their devices and be less uh, careful for certain activities that they do because they have this uh, sort of a safety belt to kind of consider now these days when it, with that process, with, you know, with that concept in mind of having a, a device that could be reproduced with precision and accuracy, uh, you know, at a much easier. Yeah. I mean, um, if, if we considered, Let's let's talk about um, the competitive sort of sporting stuff, and you might be you might be looking at making a socket that's just right on the edge in terms of um, being strong enough to last, but being light enough to to afford the advantages of not carrying that extra weight. <clears throat> well, now with three D printer, a lot of work is going to go into acquiring the the image of the patient's limb and doing whatever changes that you need and doing the entire design. But after you've done that, the, the cost for each uh, extra device is going to be much, much less uh, because there's a lot less labor in it at that point. It's just going to be machine time. So if I was a competitive runner, for example, and I wanted to have several spare sets of sockets, uh, this would allow me to do that and be um, you know, at a much lower cost than would otherwise be the case. If we wanted to make some small changes in between sockets, it would also allow for me to have uh, several different sockets that are otherwise identical, but just a small change in, uh, let's say, the angle that the adapter attaches or um, the center line of the adapter versus the center line of my my center of mass. And it would also sound like, you know, a process like this could really reduce the costs on setting things up like test sockets and things like that so that way clinicians and other technicians can really get more uh, granular with the way they set devices up for their patients and, uh, you know, really make a more perfect uh, device. Uh, does that sound right? Yeah, and I mean beyond that too, it allows more time to be spent on the on the soft stuff, the things that uh, that that I think can matter more. Uh, and by that, what I mean is, if you get a patient coming in and they've got an existing the device that works really well, um, you can measure that and basically reproduce the alignment and everything in a brand new socket, so that when they come back, uh, you know whether that's in a day or a week or whatever that you've got the new socket pre-aligned basically exactly like the old one was with whatever changes are necessary because maybe they've gained or lost some weight or the stump shape has changed a little bit. Uh, but then it allows you to spend more time on things like limb care and going through things such as physio or any, any other things that may be relevant. Um, so you can spend less time doing repeatable processes um, with a digital system compared with if you have to do everything by hand from scratch each time. Yeah, that's some really cool stuff. Uh, so it seems like, you know, there was a lot to, to absorb today regarding the clinician side and patient side when it comes to 3D printing for ONP. Um, 
it's obvious that we kind of just scratched the surface on this topic, but let's say there are people out there who want to learn more about this. Uh, where would you, where would you recommend them to kind of uh, look into? Well, I mean, the simple answer is right here. That's, that's why we, that's why we're doing this. Um, we've, we've looked around and there's all kinds of information that's out there. Some of it's more targeted towards hobbyists. Some of it's more targeted, targeted towards, you know, airplane and auto industry and stuff like that. And what we want to do is we want to, we want this to be the place where people can come to, to ask questions and to find out good information for printing in ONP. Well, thanks Jeff for answering all of my questions around this topic. Um, it's some really exciting stuff and I hope I get the opportunity to, uh, chat with you soon about some other topics around 3D printing in ONP. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to like, review, or share on whichever platform you're listening on. We build these episodes according to what we think you want to hear. So please do leave us some feedback by either leaving a comment or reaching out to us at info at forum.com. Until then, take care.